And the Lord reminded me, he said, I loved you when you weighed 244 pounds. I love you as you are right now. And I'll love you when you reach your goal weight. But you need to understand the power of my love. Welcome to the 30 Second Book Club podcast, a place for people who want to read more books and be in a book club, but don't really have time to do either. Hey, my name's Andy. If you've been listening to the 30 Second Book Club podcast for a while, we've been talking to a lot of great authors. This is one who I have a personal connection with. Janelle Keith is one of my dearest friends. I used to do a radio show with her, and, and I got to witness her journey firsthand. And now she's shared that journey uh, in her book called Grace for Your Waste. So Janelle, let's just start with where you were and how God has just completely transformed your life to the point of writing this book. Oh, wow. Well, um, I was, as, and for all the dieters that are listening, I was at my heaviest weight ever when really God got my attention about how I was living my life. And I'm going to do the, the worst thing possible right here, Andy. I'm going to admit my beginning weight, and that was at 244. And for a person that's always dieting, you never want that known. You know, that's the thing. You never want that known. And um, so I had to come to terms with the fact that I had let myself go to that point. And from that point on, God, I surrendered my will to God, and he took over. And that's how I started. Now, I didn't, it was not easy, let me just say. And, um, and I, it came to a, a head when I hit my lowest point, believe it or not. And uh, then I realized I had more yet to surrender to him. And that's, you know, now I, I can, uh, to put it all in a capsule, I can now live with freedom from the food addiction that I once suffered, uh, that doesn't come overnight. It's been a long journey, but a rewarding journey in that God was in the middle of it every step of the way. And you're going to see that in the book, Grace for Your Waste. Now, some people, I think, I was looking at the Amazon reviews. Some people are confused. They think that it, this is like the Janelle Keith keto diet where, she, where you're just going to tell them, <laughs> just eat, eat a whole bunch of meat. You're going to lose weight. Right. <laughs> but, right. But it's not that. And, yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. And I knew going into writing this book, I really struggled with that. I didn't want to share my story because I knew that it wasn't what the world, quote unquote, uh, wanted. I The world wants quick fix in just like easy answers. But we know uh, in everything in life, if it was easy more people would be doing it, right? And a lot of people, I found that it was like the number one um, concern of Americans, even though they fail to take action on what they know, it's the number one concern of Americans is their health. And, you know, that's why you see gyms packed uh, every January. And then by April, it's a ghost town, you know. So there's those things that people want to do the right thing, but they don't know how to do the right thing. But what I found was I was gravitating from one diet plan to another, not really making any progress, taking two steps forward and 10 back. And it wasn't until I just totally surrendered the spiritual aspect of my um, life that I was able to finally get that success and uh, gain a foothold in my as so much of what I call a loser mentality. And I, I knew that it, it wouldn't be a diet plan. 
it had to be that spiritual cleansing that I talk about in the book. And so uh, let's just go through that door. We enter the book through my closet, my very personal closet, where I was hiding a lot of dysfunction and um, hiccups and hangups, we call them. And I did, I just thought if I ignore them long enough, they'll go away, they'll resolve or, you know, it, I'll deal with those later. You know, all those excuses you bring up in your life that you think uh, one day I'll deal with that, but not right now. And so the Lord had me sit in that just to really look at the root issues that were going on. And I found out it was all from the heart. Mm. Now, uh, yeah, I would, this is, I think it's great just to go right into it like that. So all in the heart and, and you talk about, you know, what's in your closet. So how do we start that process in our own life? That's a great question. Where do we begin? Well, I always encourage people to start where you are right now. And um, first of all, I always put that plan of salvation out there. If you don't know Jesus, let's get to know him. And then once you get to know him, surrender your hand to him and he'll pull you out of the pit of whichever you're, you're in. And I know this is painful. I was an emotional eater. I ran to God for everything. I needed comfort for my life and I and, and just the pressure I'd put on myself and all the failed attempts. Um, and it really came through in a practical way. Um, ironically, it was a radio contest, Andy, that got my kickstart uh, back into this. Um, you might remember on our old station, uh, we had the total fitness challenge. And um, I was a, a co-captain on, I mean, a captain of one team and Brent McCoy was the captain on the other team. And we were going to do this for a month and we were going to lead listeners uh, to uh, their best weight in a month's time. Well, we, we chose our teams and after, off the air, I was so unexcited about this. I, you know, a radio contest usually gets you charged up in some way. And, and this was not one of them. I hated Brent and I loved him all in the same moment. But the thing about it was, was I had set myself up for failure after failure. I didn't want to disappoint my listeners. And so it really came down to that. I said, okay, let's just get this over with. I just, I'm going to do it just for the sake of having a radio contest before me. And I'm going to make, I'm going to give it my all and, and be encouraging for the listeners. And I had no intention of encouraging myself or making any kind of success. And so the first thing I did with the listeners on that team was I encouraged them to give up one thing. And that was what the Lord was challenging me with. And I gave up Diet Coke one for, and I just said, okay, I can give up Diet Coke for X amount of weeks. I can do that. And I just determined to make that work, that one thing work. At the end of that radio contest, our team lost. Uh, but I really won in my own life because I had lost 15 pounds in a month's time just by giving up one thing. So maybe that's where uh, people listening today should start. It's just giving up one thing. What's one thing that you can live without for an, a month? or a week, or maybe you need to break it down to this day. What's one thing you can live without for this day? And start where you are, and then just take the next step. Now, after I lost uh, in that first month, uh, 
I, I was astonished at the results because I had never had success like that because I was doing it all the wrong way spiritually. And um, so I just dug deep and I just said, okay, what next change do I need to make? And see, I, I just trusted the Lord and say, God, where do you want to go with this? Because to me, it looked very overwhelming. I was at 244. So I had a long way to go. And I often overwhelm myself with just the, the, the perspective of I'm never going to make it. And so then he changed my thinking. And then it was the next step for me was I entered a three day fast and that's where he really showed me and it was water only. Now I don't recommend that just for the newbie. I always go with what your doctor tells you, you should do. But for me, that was, that was the way I really got, I dug in and said, what other changes do I need to make? And that's, um, after the end of that three day fast, I, realized that food was way more important to me and God was less important. And I wanted to switch the order on that. And from that point, it was just like, then I was able to lose. So let's talk about um, how you take ownership of your issues. You say that's was the beginning of transformation for mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The seed of transformation, I call it. That's what I experienced in um, my three day fast. And I just had to put all of my um, ill feelings before the Lord to say, well, what about what about this? What about when I'm feeling down on myself or when I'm feeling lonely or when I need comfort and I I don't know what to do? I've got shame in my life. I've got blame in my life. And, and I had so much dysfunction, Andy. It's it was surprising, actually. And I was I was, quote unquote, the good Christian girl who didn't go out and steal and do all the things that the Bible mentioned, right? But I failed to look at the word gluttony. And I was eating out of uh, ill-placed emotions and where I should have been running to the Lord with those. And because I didn't feel like I could talk to anybody about it, I had a whole bunch of shame heap upon my life, you know. And you remember those days. I carried on like it didn't bother me. You know, I, oh yeah, it's just like make a joke about it and play it off like it's no big deal, but it was a big deal on the inside. And I came to that understanding that I'm the only one that can change that. I can change the way I feel about something and, um, and stop giving power to the food. So I learned how to say an appropriate positive no is what I call it. And, um, it's funny how when you learn to say a new language, you're challenged into using it properly. And social situations will put you in some pretty tight spots. And uh, so I had to encounter a lot of positive no's where we'd have family gatherings to say, oh, one bite won't hurt. Or, you know, come on, I made this just for you. And all those things that people will bring at you, they see that you're somewhat successful but they they don't realize how much they're tempting you by by offering these these things you know and, and they're they're well meaning of course but you just like it, it it doesn't do you any good so I had to say no to say okay I can't have that right now I'm really trying this thing and you know uh, bless you for making that for me and I really wish I could eat that and maybe one day I can but right now 
I'm not able to do that. And I really released me to have that control to say, food will not get the best of me today. And I really I had to practice that over and over and over. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about, um, I thought this was kind of interesting because I think this is, again, you know, you talk about in the book how you were in this spiral of, of you know, trying to fix yourself for a long time. And you say yeah. you can spend your entire life trying to constantly fix yourself. And I think that resonates with, I mean, it resonates with me, Janelle, and so many yeah. others. How do you get off that, tr- you know, the, the, what do you, I don't know what you call it. You call it the shame spiral, the, the treadmill, whatever it is. How, how do you get off that and, and get to the point where you, you find freedom? Right. The hamster wheel, yeah. you know, um, <laughs> it's that whole uh, knowing that you're a flawed person. And you have to pretty much, and, and, and we deal with it on every level, Andy. It's not just, you know, a one and done process. This is a continual work that the Holy Spirit is doing, a continual cleansing, so to speak. You know, we'll always have to go back into our closet and cleanse ourselves. And I mean, I mean, let, let the Lord cleanse us. That's what I mean. You know, it's not like we can do that on our own. We can't. We can't do that on our own. That's where grace comes from. And grace is the unmerited favor of God. And so... And what what really changed for me was when I realized and I was I was actively seeking the Lord. I was doing the work. I was running consistently. I was watching what I ate and all of those things. And I was running down the road one day and it hit me like a ton of bricks. I just I was floored right there in the middle of the, the county road. And the Lord reminded me, he said, I loved you when you weighed 244 pounds. I love you as you are right now, and I'll love you when you reach your goal weight. But you need to understand the power of my love. And that was another transformation day for me to realize that I was loved by him. I was fully known to him, fully loved by him. And I understood that day it wasn't a choice. It wasn't as if you succeed in this diet plan and lose 100 pounds, I'm going to love you more. No, it wasn't that. It was coming to grips with the fact that I, when I felt the most unlovable, he loved me the most he ever could and still does today. You know, that his measure of love does not change. And I was always uh, under the instruction and uh, the lie that I had to measure up. And that was a childhood thing. And I had to come to terms with that, that I never felt loved. I never felt, you know, I didn't receive that physical uh, love from my parents. Yes, I know they loved me and they took care of me and they did the best they could. But those those positive affirmations, you know, there's the five love languages of of everyone. They all have we all have our, our language of love. And when I was looking for love and needed that affirmation from my dad, I didn't get it. And um, I mean, he didn't know, you know, bless his heart. <laughs> he didn't know. But um, it, it was just that that need within children to know who they are in Christ and to know that it's anchored in the Lord and that and then living because of it. And I didn't know that as a child. And it took a long time. In fact, over half of my adult journey to find that. And um, it. You know, we, we have to think about the things we think about. And if you're always dwelling on your dysfunction, you're going to become dysfunctional, right? But if you're always seeking to overcome, then you're going to make success. I mean, it, I hate to simplify it like that, 
but uh, when you, when it comes down to weight loss, it is the basic science. You take in too many calories and you don't use those calories, you are going to gain weight. I mean, it is that simple principle. When we take in too much and we think, oh, I'm going to get away with this, that's when it, it catches up to you. And then you've got to do something about it, you know, if you care, you know, and and then I had beat myself up with that. I'm never going to measure up. I'm never going to be able to do this. I'm not going to do this because I'm not smart enough. I'm, I'm, I'm loved. I'm unwanted. I'm all these things that shame will bring into your life. And I just continue to focus on my dysfunction rather than what I could do about it, what I could control. So I, uh, let's talk a little bit more about <clears throat> loving yourself. And this is a story that's personal to me, too, because I was part of it. <clears throat> but you talk oh, in, the, in the story about, <laughs> in your book, about Ephesians 4.29. Now, you know, the background a little bit for me was, it, I don't know how, how God uses me sometimes. You know, I'm a goofball saved by grace, just like you, Janelle. But I remember on an especially down day for you, I had remembered the verse Ephesians 4.29. And and just talk about that moment when you realized um, the meaning of that verse for your own life and, and, and speaking mm-hmm. love and truth to yourself. Yes, that was a that was another transformation day. That day, you provided grace for me. I mean, I I still think about how marvelous the Lord used you that day. And now you're going to make me cry. Um, that was the day that earlier that morning I was uh, had confessed to all of the world and ten listeners that we. Um, I had a problem with negative self-talk and again, see, I had grown up with that thinking I'm the only one that knows how to love me and I can't even love me. So why would anybody else want to love me? Certainly God wouldn't want to love me the way I am. And so I had confessed that openly. I was in a very vulnerable moment. And, um, later that day, uh, it came back to bite me, but, uh, I would like to say, before that day, a friend uh, told me that one of the uh, story that, that really moved me, but it didn't move me to action. She told me that she realized that negative self-talk was a, a big problem in her life. And she realized that one day as she was logging into her um, email, she had a password that was called chopped liver. And she said, every time I put that password uh, in for my email, I realized I was calling myself chopped liver. And I thought I was moved by her story. And I thought, wow, she was, she took action on that. She, um, she changed her password right away when she realized what she was doing. And I thought, wow, that was a strong moment. And then I thought about all of the things that I called myself and I just didn't know how to get out from underneath all those labels. And I, um, and then had confessed that on the air and later that day you came to visit and uh, someone sent me a negative email and I looked at that and just tears just started streaming down my face and I didn't know I thought here it comes again I'm never going to get rid of this enemy you know this negative self person that continues to haunt me and um I, Ironically, I had Ephesians 4.29, I think, posted on my computer monitor. And uh, it is the verse about how we're to encourage and build up the church and to say, uh, to edify the church, because the church is the body of Christ. And 
in that moment, I, I got the email. You were sitting right beside me, and I looked at you with tears in my eyes. I know the tears were there. And you said, Janelle, you're not that person. You're not who that email says you are. You are God's child. And you just reached over with supernatural strength and clicked delete on that email and said, now, put that behind you. You uh, start talking positive to yourself. You're the body of Christ. And it was just from there, God took over and started showing me how I was part of his body and that I was doing the damage to myself by continuing that conversation, that narrative, that uh, I can't see the positive things if I'm always speaking the negative things. And that's how he changed me. And I'm just so honored that you were a part of it because I've always trusted you as a great friend, you know, one that truly was after, you know, the motives of my heart, meaning you really wanted to see me grow and overcome and you encouraged me and challenged me and, you know, you just loved on me when I felt the most unlovable. And um, I, that's what the body of Christ does. You know, we reach into those pits and we say, I understand. I know where you've been. Let me help you. And this is what worked for me. Maybe it would work for you. I'm just excited that you uh, said I had supernatural strength. That's probably the only time I've <laughs> ever been accused of that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did. That's true. I hit that delete button. Nothing stopped me from it. All right, so let's <laughs> let's talk about. Um, and this is this kind of t- ties into your whole story. But I thought this was a really uh, powerful uh, part of your book when you say something supernatural happens when you invite the Lord into your situation. Yeah, and yeah. it seems like some like a oh no, of course no dub, but I think that's sometimes kind of hard for for anyone to to do that. How do we do that? Well, yeah, yeah, it is hard because we let anything and everything come in between uh, our relationship with God. You know, we think there's nothing in in between. We think there's there's no middle ground. We're all the way in. We're we're like. We're, yes, God, use me however you want. And yeah, but we hold back from him. We, you know, we, we hide our shame. We hide our dysfunction. We hide our sin. We think, oh, God can't see that when he really can. You know, and it's just the acceptance that he loves us anyway. And it, it really, it, it, it comes in different uh, ways. I think for me, it, it, it was shame. It was all the shame that I'd heaped on my life. I had, you know, I was, this wasn't my first round at dieting. This was like years and years and years of, of attempting to become thin. And I just couldn't get there. I mean, my, my mom used to cook perfect meals for me. You know, I, I tell in the book that I go away to college and I'd live like I want. And then I come back 30 pounds heavier, you know? And so I would have to, I was in this yo-yo cycle that I, I would achieve and then I would not, you know, and so you you just think, okay, well, I'm doing the work, but you really aren't doing the work unless you let Jesus into the mix. And um, there are some things you can't do for yourself. And that's, again, that's where grace comes in. Ephesians 2, 8, you know, he saved us when we were still sinners. There's some things you can't do on your own. You have to be supernaturally empowered to take hold of your issues and say, yeah, I know I did that. What do I do about it? And then he shows you how to come out of that, how to come out of the temptations with positive nose. 
I mean, and the shame, I can tell you there is just years and years and still layers and layers of where shame can take you. And shame goes back to the Garden of Eden. So, you know, let's all remind ourselves the shame was the initial separator between us and God. And so when you get down to that, everybody experiences that in different ways. And but for me, it was just I knew what to do. I just didn't do it. And um, I had tried. And because I'd failed so many times, I didn't feel like, again, feelings. I didn't feel like I had made any progress. There had been times, Andy, when I was down to 110, and then I gained it all back. Then I had two kids, and then I gained weight more, you know, and it's just that collective, uh, uh, I guess, a collection, more or less, of all the things that you put into your life, and then you think, I got to get rid of something, and then it boils down to the way you're conducting your life, and um you know, I'm, I, I'm just like, I'm all over the place with my emotions sometimes. And I think, no, I have the self-control of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's part of his fruit. I want to take control of this. And it helps me make decisions. Like today, I, I'm adhering to my food plan. Now, that mean, doesn't mean that I'm perfect in this, but I do make conscious choices. I'm not making those unconscious choices. I'm realizing that if I eat that scoop of ice cream, what it will do to me or what I, how I will feel the next day. So it really boils down to this one simple sentence. Um, Grace allows me to live today how I want to feel tomorrow. And when I understand that I'm under the covering of grace and I make a mistake, I, I don't have to be ashamed about that, but I just pick up where I'm at and just get right back on the horse and start riding it again. I don't, it's not an all or nothing type of a, situation it is I take it day by day step by step yes I have long-term goals and short-term goals too but I don't beat myself up in the process with being ashamed of what I've done now you've been very vulnerable of course to this whole process writing the book I mean it's just your heart's on your sleeve I mean you start with the beginning with your uh with with your weight when you were at your heaviest and so yeah. you have learned an important lesson about the importance of vulnerability, which uh, I think a lot of us would like to be get to the point where you are someday. I, it's not it's 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 a hard earned reward, I guess, because, you know, it's it's really hard to expose yourself like this, you know, and uh, that was one of the things I will be honest with you in publishing the book. I had to go before the Lord to say, this is my story and I know you want to use it, but I don't see how you're going to use it, God, you know, because it was such, it's such a personal journey. And I had to admit a lot of dysfunction in there. And it was like, and I do that. And I put, you know, I have one chapter that is all about negative self-talk and the other one is forgiveness and living forgiven chapter eight, you know, and you just have to live in that forgiveness that knowing that God doesn't ever see you the way that you once thought of yourself. And it has not been easy. And all I had to do in that moment before publishing to say, this is going out to the world, Lord, are you sure about this? He says, believe me, I'm not going to show your shame. I'm going to point to theirs, you know, and, but, but see, I, I say that wrong. He doesn't ever shun or shame. The Holy Spirit does the convicting. I had to trust that the Holy Spirit would do the work that he had set in my heart 
a long ago when I started writing the book because I'm I'm one of those people that I'm a processor. I'm an internalizer. And so I have to write it out for me to see it and to know it and to believe it. And um, that's where God's word is huge. Because when I go to his word, I can find everything I need to be successful, you know, and the word promises that. And so I had to just anchor my soul into truth. And I had to realize that, you know, I had brought this all on myself. I had to take ownership of it. Every person has to go through that moral inventory, you know, and, and, and to really change, you have to. And, and I wanted to change. I was so tired of beating myself up and feeling defeated that I just, I was at the end of my rope. I was at the end of myself and I just said, okay, whatever it takes, God, I'm in. And I, I hid nothing from him. And um, so being vulnerable was a part of that process of just being open, you know, and on the radio, I always used to say my life was an open book and ironically it was, and I just shared everything. I couldn't pretend but I only let you know the level at which I wanted you to know me at. And that's where I found uh, some hidden dysfunction. But through the book, I was healed more than I ever thought I could be. And just processing that out with the Lord one-on-one time to see what his word says and how his grace applies to my specific areas. Um, it was life-giving. You know, it didn't suck the life out of me. It, the bad part, Yes. But it was life-giving when I received that healing through just walking that out with him. And today I have the honor now of being able to use something that was once my misery, my message, you know. And so I, you know, I, I still beat myself up about that, Andy. I don't know if I'm doing that right either. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I like that you said, you know, it, it, you have to kind of suck it out. It's almost like if you got a snake bite and there's venom, you know, what are you supposed to do? You, know, you're, yes. you, have to, you have to get it out of your system, that pride of saying, yes. I've got it figured out. I yes, that. exactly. I, that pride issue that we all like to, you know, take boast in, you know, Paul talked about that so many times. I consider my, you know, they never did identify Paul's thorn. They never did. And there's been a lot of conversation about, oh, it was this or, oh, it was that. And I really believe this, that Paul left it open that whatever thorn is in your side right now at the moment, you know, then that is where God's power is going to come through and be strong in your weakness. And actually that leads to my verse that was the overarching truth in which I wrote this book. Second uh, Corinthians 12, nine is that I sign it in, in every one of my books because God's power is made perfect in our weakness. And um, that's what grace was for me in this life transformation. And I'm still living in it. And uh, you can live a lifestyle fitted with hope only from God, because the world's measure of hope will only take you so far. But when you put all of your hope, all when you put all your cookies in his cookie jar, he's going to take it and really establish hope in you. And then you have a hope for a better day, a hope for what is yet to come, a hope for heaven. You have the true source of hope right there within your grasp. One more question for you, Janelle, at the very end of your book. And you just, it's an incredible transformation talking about hope too. How do we put on God's power suit of worth? Oh, wow. (laughs) Well, I, I appropriately ended with that because, um, I, we have to know who we are in Christ. Um, 
And if you don't know, Ephesians 1 through 14 will explain it perfectly to you. In fact, I'm sitting in those verses right now. We have to know who we are in Christ. We have to know where our source is for all things. Our our emotional health, our mental uh, thinking, our uh, physical living. We have... uh, what, what part am I leaving out? You know, uh, our spiritual content, every God, I put it so good in one of the chapters. I don't know, but we are like butterflies. Uh, we, you know, we're all in these cocoons and we think that everybody's watching our cocoon and they are, but we can't succumb to the pressure of, of breaking out and talking about God and being open about him and, and sharing our lives with one another because there's such great encouragement that can come from just talking openly about your, your, your issues. And no, none of us have it figured out. We may pretend that we do, but we don't. And um, I've never once saw a butterfly that begs to go back into the cocoon, you know, and, um, they they just once they experience the freedom of their wings they fly they soar you know they they go to international places i mean they they travel you know everywhere they're free and that's the thing about butterflies they're free and god wants that you know john 8 31 and 32 he says stick with me kids if you follow my ways i will show you the truth and the truth will set you free and by his truth he frees us and that's where we have to become unbound by the trappings of this world, unbound by these childhood labels, unbound by the things that uh, uh, we call dysfunction. And we have to be free so that we have a kingdom to advance. We are warriors for God. And we can't just stand around twiddling our thumbs, thinking there's nothing in this world for us to do because there's plenty for us to do. We have a purpose. And it is to uh, proclaim his name and make his name known. And it's just like when you come out from all of that, that closet full of thinking, oh, there is a place for me in this world. Then you know how to live. You're secure in your source of who you are, what your purpose is, what you're set upon this earth to do. And that, you know, again, God's word makes it really simple. Jesus showed us the way. Love God, love others. Boom. Done. Mike drop. There it is. Janelle Keith, everyone. <laughs> Her book is called <laughs> Grace for Your Waste, Living a Lifestyle Fitted with Hope. And if you want to find out more, uh, what's your website? TheJanelleKeith.com. It's not too late to make a resolution that will change your life for this year. And it can be as simple as taking the lies that you believe for so long and replacing them with God's truth. Now, this is kind of an unusual book club podcast next week. We'll be talking with Lisa Graft, who wrote a journal called What's True About You. And she'll be sharing about how to replace the lies that you believe for so long with the truth about what God says about you. Next week on the 32nd Book Club podcast.